next week uh, I'll be next weekend I'll be down in a church that has a rich past and they're stuck and they're wanting to um, walk into their future at least I hope they do and uh, Dave Heinrich and I are going to go down and spend the weekend meet with the staff and meet with the transition team meet with the pastors and with the congregation so you can be praying if you would that the Lord that the Lord would open their hearts to a new day, and then we'll come back, or we'll go back there a month later. They want us to do round two. So at least the leaders are serious about making some changes. That's a good thing. And as you are here, I talked about this with the men at 9.30, if you can think of people that aren't here that you haven't seen, you reach out to them. Karen and I do, and they ex- probably expect it from us. But I, I was blessed that Steve is reaching out to people that uh, are here, that have moved away, like uh, Abram and Nemo. He reaches out to them. So that's wonderful. So as we do that, and people can't say, well, you don't even miss us. Yes, we do. We want them to know that we miss them when they're not here. As a boy, I saw one of these, and I said, uh, Dad, why do the Catholics have uh, Jesus on the cross, and we don't? And the answer was, we believe in the resurrection. And I said to myself, I think they do too. So I didn't quite get it. So I'm in Latvia at a Lutheran school, and a cross just like this was in every one of the rooms. Yes. (laughs) Stella, we're with you. (laughs) She knows. (laughs) Thank you for that smile. Every one of the rooms, and I was moved by it. I, I looked at it, and I looked at, uh, I looked at it carefully, and I prayed when I saw it. And at the end of my time there, I said, you don't have an extra one of these, do you? If they had that many. They, and they went over and got one. They took it off the wall, and they gave it to me. Now, I've got this in my room upstairs. I probably look at it 30 times a day. And when I look at it, I think of what Paul said when he, when he came to Corinth after being in Athens. And it seemed like that shook him up a little bit. And he said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He told the Galatians, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. During Lent, now we're thinking about the cross of Jesus. And so I'm grateful. And I tell Jesus that when I look at this. I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, that you said yes to the will of the Father. And so I want to respond to that with a great, grateful heart and a loving heart. I want to talk to you today about uh, Loving him back. That's what I call worship. Worship is loving God back, 
Turn to Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to give you some words of, of what worship is. Matthew 26, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming. What's the Passover? What was that? Pardon? Yes, it was instituted when they uh, were freed from Egypt and they put the mark of the blood on the doorpost and uh, the angel of death passed over them. They were saved and then they went out in the desert and worshipped. So they've been celebrating the Passover off and on for maybe 1,400 years and Jesus is saying, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified during the Passover. Who's who's, uh, scheduled this? Jesus and the Father. It's going to be during the Passover. Now listen to what goes on next. Then the chief priest and elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. It's probably Tuesday or Wednesday now. What happened a couple days ago? How many people were there? I don't know. I tried to figure out how many there were, but there are thousands and thousands, probably 100,000 or more, maybe 500,000. And so they're coming over. They're, they're on the crest of the Mount of Olives, and they turn down. That's the clearest view of the temple view. I've been there many times, sat up there. Then you start walking down, and it says the crowd is gathering and growing. So the crowd is in the thousands, and they're shouting. It was a bad day for the Pharisees. They did not like this day because Jesus, he really did look like the king, and they're, they're the shouting praises to the king. So they don't want it to happen because they've already seen what already happened. But Jesus already determined that it was going to happen. The Father determined. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him. Now, we know from John that that woman is named Mary. Mary. This is Mary. It's in Bethany. Bethany is her hometown. It's Mary with an alabaster flax, not expensive ointment, very expensive ointment. In John, it says this could have been sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. One denarius is a day's wage. So 300, you think that's 300 days wages. Well, what do you make in a day times 300? That's how much this is worth. That's a lot of money. For her, it may have been her life, her life savings, very likely to, 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 to give that. And she gets this idea, oh, I'd love to pour this on Jesus. It's, maybe she even shared it with Martha. Martha, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. We don't know if they talked about it. But Mary had this idea and it excited her. I'm going to pour it on Jesus. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? Judas is one of them. Why? Because if they did sell it and put the money in their coffers, he'd steal from it because he was doing that. It says in John, he was already stealing from the coffers that he 
took care of. This could have been sold for a large sum, a very large sum, and given to the poor. Oh, way to go. Hypothetical. People who hypo- that could have been, should have been, might have been. But Mary didn't do it. Think, uh, uh, I'm thinking about it. She actually did it. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble this woman? Oh, I love the way he is, he is so caring to protect people that are under attack. For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done this to prepare for my burial. Who was thinking about Jesus' burial? Anybody else? I think so, too. But who else was thinking about burial? Were the disciples? Not at all. They weren't thinking about death. You'll never die. So they weren't thinking about burial. Jesus was. He's a Jew. He's a Jewish man. Very important. Jewish people. The burial is an important part. And he was thinking about it. And somehow Mary got this God-destined idea to prepare me. There were two men of the Sanhedrin that started thinking about this burial. Men of the Sanhedrin that hated Jesus and they got converted. Joseph and Nicodemus. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory. So 2,000 years later we're talking about Mary and the gift she gave to Jesus. So I want to say several things, several words about what worship is. Worship, first of all, is extravagant. Say the word, extravagant. I fell in love with caring as a 31-year-old. I started doing things that I never did, spend money. I was not a money spender. I'm still not a money spender. I go to Goodwill only if I have a coupon that gives me a discount. I guarantee you. I will not go unless I have a coupon that gives me 20, 20 off. So I'm not a spender of money. But I got extravagant with her, and I thought of ways that I could spend my money. As soon as we got engaged, she left for Minnesota, and I was back in California, so we did it long distance. But I was thinking, what can I say to her? What can I do? What can I write? What can I send? Because I was in love. Love is extravagant. Say it. She was extravagant in her love. She was wanting to pour it out. Judas, on the other hand, then one of the twelve, verse 14, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me? It's not what can I give him, but what can I get? Just the opposite. Love is expressing extravagant, but love is also expressive. Anybody see any of the games in the final four or final eight? Anybody watch any of it? I just, I just saw uh, clips. It's a surprising who's in the final. I, nobody. I don't think anybody guessed that. But when you see the fans, do you see how they're, what they're doing? They're jumping up and down. They're shouting as loud as they can, and no one's saying, oh, how disgusting. Why? Because they're rooting for a winner. They're rooting for their team. It reminds me of the Holy Spirit Conference 
in the, from 2000 on, if you were able to get to any of those, there were times when we had 200 people up front from junior high to high school to college just jumping up and down like crazy, dancing, dancing in the chancel and worshiping the Lord. Love is expressive. Love wants to express itself. A man, he had gotten engaged to this woman, and he said, can I kiss you? Silence. He asked again, can I kiss you? No response. I'm going to try it one more time. Can I kiss you? Still no response. So he said, are you deaf? And she said, are you paralyzed? <laughs> when you are in love, you want to express it. You think of ways to express your love. If you are in love with Jesus, in love with the Father, you may do it differently than others, but you will want to express it. You'll want to look for ways. Mary found a way, and it blessed Jesus extremely so that they're still talking about it in heaven. We're still reading about it 2,000 years later because Mary found a way. God is blessed by your praises. He is not blessed by passivity. <clears throat> Who should say, well, I didn't get anything out of the service? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Well, I didn't get anything out of that. One man, he came through the line, and he said uh, to the pastor, Pastor, I didn't really like the songs you sang. And the pastor said, that's okay. We weren't singing them for you. <laughs> the only one in the Bible who says, I didn't get anything out of your service is God. He told Malachi, uh, the people in the day of Malachi, starts out by saying, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Prove it. Show us you love us. You know what, Jesus, what God said? Try that on your governor and see if he'll accept it. Second-rate offerings show a second-rate God. And so God was not getting very much out of their worship. We should ask God today, God, did you get anything out of this worship? So it's not what I'm getting out of it. What is it? What I'm putting in. I love God. You love God. We have a variety of ways of showing it. We can kneel. We can silently worship. We can sing. We can stand up. We can shout. We can dance. We can wave flags. Thank you. We have many ways, and there are many more ways that we haven't even thought of yet. That some people will, fasting, we can fast to show our love. I look back at some of the fasts that I've done with, with uh, almost a jealousy. I, I loved it so much. It was so special. I wasn't looking forward to get off the fast. I was, I was thinking, my, this has been so wonderful. I'm not sure if I want to go back to food. 
because God was so kind. God meets us. God is pleased when we want to worship. Worship is loving him back and saying, I love you. It's, it's expressive. It is experiential. My favorite kind of meal is T-bone steak. That's because it was my dad's favorite. And I can think of a time before a basketball game, he bought a steak, T-bone, cooked it, sat down with me. We had T-bone, talked about the game. So that's my favorite. Do you want me to tell you how good T-bone is? Because I can tell you and then, but you have to, you, you, you can't vicariously experience food. You cannot taste it. You can say you can taste it, but you really can't. You have to experience it. You can't experience worship vicariously. I can't say to you, God is so good. Really? Oh, that feels good. Yeah, thank you. That, yeah, I like that. Say more. No, you have to experience it. It's experiential. So I'm interviewing this mom and her daughter that were coming into our school. We had a school at Trinity Lutheran in San Pedro, California. And I interviewed her, and I said, got a church. And she said, no. Well, why don't you try ours on Sunday? So they came back on Monday. Here was school. And I said, so did you try us out? I, I didn't know if she was there. And the daughter says, did we? Mom cried through the whole service. So what was going on? Something was happening in her that maybe she wasn't used to. And God was accessing her heart. And it brought her to tears. I remember a time when I was leading worship at Trinity. And we were singing this song, For you are good, for you are good. You remember that? For you are good to me. For you are good, for you are good. I made a mistake of listening to the words. And as I was listening to that and saying, For you are good, I uh, was overtaken. I started to cry. I couldn't sing it. I couldn't sing. I just had to kind of turn to the side for a moment because I was thinking of how good God was. I was experiencing his goodness. Now, someone can say God's good, but you have to experience that. You, you really have to experience it to know how good God is. And I've seen it with, with you at different times. I've seen it with Nate as he's leading. Something happens. We're experiencing. I remember my sister Karen, she's two years older than me, very precious to me, and uh, very close. She's moving back to Orange County from Arkansas. And she came home, and all she could talk about was Norm. Norm is the senior class president of Pacific Lutheran University. Norm is the captain of the football team. Norm looks great in black turtleneck sweaters. Norm is a great student. I was sick and tired of hearing all about Norm. <laughs> I didn't like him. I didn't, I've never seen him. I, actually, I, once I met him, I, I liked him. He, he was an anchor in our family while he was alive. He was, a, uh, he was on TV. He was a, he was a lawyer for uh, Channel 40, met the Pope, traveled a lot, very brilliant. 
He died sadly, but uh, she experienced this person and wanted to talk about knowing. And I finally experienced that. Worship is experiential. It's something that I can enter into. So a lady at Trinity, she came through the line and she said, Pastor, I've been here 20 years. Today I worshiped. What's she talking about there? I think she had the 18-inch drop. You know what that is? She had it here, but something touched her in an experiential, in an emotional, in a living way, where then you want to respond to it. God, I want to love you. When I think of what God does and I get emotional, I want to respond to that. That's what worship is. Worship is responding. We do it together in a variety of ways. It's such a privilege. And it's not what can I get out of it. It's what Judas was thinking, what can I get out of it? It's what can I give? And God says, hey, Paul, how'd you do this morning? How'd you do in your worship? Did you give? And he says to us, he wants us to be on the giving end of worship. So, one more thing about uh, love, worship. It's natural. You may say, well, I don't know how to do it. Yes, you do. You got it in you. In fact, people in the world have it in them. They are worshipers. They are all worshipers. Romans 1 says that though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That would have been natural because here's the world. He's made it. We respond. We love him. Although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks, but they became futile. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. So they kept worshiping. Now they're worshiping animals. They're worshiping people. There's something natural. You know how to love. When you fall, no no, no one needs to teach you how to fall in love. Anybody here fallen in love before? I think there are a few of us here who have fallen in love. It's a pretty wonderful thing. And we don't have to be schooled in it because there's something that happens in our heart. I was in a music, I was at a church in the south, a big church. And I met with the music minister. And we were going to pray. And so I just closed my eyes. And I did what some of you do. I listened. As I listened, I saw a picture of a person that had a lid put on top of them. Now that's a prophetic picture. And you get those too. You just open your heart to them and you'll get them because that'll help you know how to pray. So I said, you had a lid put on you. He started to cry. He's a worship leader. He should be expressive. He should know how to connect. But the lid would put on him. So as I prayed, he continued to cry. I prayed for healing, for God to take the lid off him. Maybe when he was in church one day and he was seven years old and he stepped up on the pew and someone said, don't you dare stand on that like that. Well, something shut down. That can happen easily. 
Someone says something that they shouldn't. Someone do, does something, and a lid gets put on, and he got shut down. So I want to pray for us now as we, we're going to finish with a couple songs. I want to pray that any, any here who feel like, well, I really, I really want to worship better. I want to respond to the Lord. I want, uh, want my praises to reach heaven. Of course they will. God knows your heart. God knows your, your desire. But maybe you feel uh, kind of a reluctance. Maybe there's a wound there. Maybe there's something that kind of holds you from giving full expression to love. Thank you, Father, that you have loved us in Jesus. You've given us everything. And now we really do want to respond back to you. We want to uh, give back to you as you have given to us. We want to pour it out day by day. We want to learn how to do this. Would you teach us? Would you help us in our worship to love you back? We're so grateful. Thank you that you move us by your kindness. And so we want you to get a lot out of our worship, our corporate worship, in our individual lives. Hear our thanks. Hear our requests that we give to you in the name of Jesus. We really do love you, and we want to 